This is Pod With Me. On this episode... I got an erection. All of a sudden he sat down on me and it was like... This never happens even with my wife. So I knew something was sexual here that I had never experienced and it was wonderful. Never thinking that anybody would ever find out. So the night that I was going to meet this guy, he borrowed his his boss's car so that I wouldn't notice it. And he followed me to the hotel because he didn't know the name of the hotel. He just knew I was meeting somebody at seven o'clock at a hotel. So he followed me there. And of course I get to the hotel before the guy and got things sort of set up. And there's a knock on the door and I open the door and it was my son. Let's get a sound check. Are you ready to pod? How are you, Chuck? How's it going? I'm doing quite well, thank you. You're doing quite well. Tell us how you survived this coronavirus thing. Um, to tell you the truth, I've been very, very um, careful about the whole thing. Um, you know, I watched where I went. I used masks. I didn't do any going out in groups. No, it was a good thing that but, you did that. It got me to just spend a little bit more time with my partner. And um, it was nice to have each other because we didn't go out much we're not too much of a social peer anyway but i mean going out how old are, how old are you i'm 69. chuck who are you where were you born who is chuck i was born in massachusetts in 1951. i'm an only child i was born um with a mother who came from a family of 10 and a father who came from a family of 15. Why they only had me, I think they figured I was enough to handle. I don't know. It's like the Brady Bunch. For me, no, because I was an only child, but for them it was. Um, you didn't live with the other, with no, your, okay. No. I had some relatives, my grandparents, my mom's parents lived next door to us and my aunt and uncle with their four boys lived on one side of us. But, you know, I never lived in the homes with them. Um, I was a very shy, very introverted young man, um, very smothered, um, was not allowed to do an awful lot. My parents, especially my father, was very strict. So um, I had a very cloistered life, if you want to call it that, where I did not have many friends. When I started school, I did not go to school in the area. So therefore, I went to a private school, so I didn't really know anybody. My classmates I would see during the day, but I would never see them around my neighborhood because I was bused there. Same thing with the high school level. So you were a good kid. You followed the rules? I, I was probably too good of a kid because I came out when, I mean, I came up when, you know, things began to blossom. Like, especially when I was in college, that's when the, the drugs and the flower children and whatever all came out and were all protesting and I never participated in any of that. Um, I went to a college that was close enough to my home where I could not live on campus because they didn't have enough housing so I had to live at home. So needless to say until I was 21 I was at home living with my parents working part-time at a pharmacy in between my classes and um, met my future wife when we were sophomores in college. So was that your first girlfriend? Yes, it was. 
I was 19 years old when we met. We were sophomores in college. So you didn't have any girlfriends in junior high and I private had school? I a girlfriend in junior high and a girlfriend in, in high school, mainly to go to the dances, to the junior prom, to the proms, you know, just to have a girl because, you know, you wanted a girlfriend, sort of, in order to go to college, I mean, to go to the dances. But other than that, nothing else at all. Um, my future wife, which I met when we were sophomores in college, um, was the only one we dated for a couple of years. We got married two weeks after we graduated from college. So I went from my parents' home into living with my former wife. Um, at 21, we were married. Wait, but before we get there, what would you do for fun when you were in high school or, or college? Did you do anything for fun? I, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but it wasn't. I was not really allowed to have fun. I could not have friends over the house. Did you sneak out? I did not sneak out because being an only child, you know, sometimes if you have older siblings, they kind of, you know, have led the way and you sort of get some information from them as you're growing up. I had none of that. And my father really had not too much to do with me because I was not a very athletic person and he was a jock all of his life and basket, basketball, baseball, and whatever. So when he realized I was not physically able to or wanted to do any of the sporting, he sort of left me at the sideline and I sort of dealt more with my mom. And um, he would not allow me to have friends. I could not have friends over the house. I could not go stay at friends' houses. I could play outside with a few of the neighborhood kids, but only till dinner time. And that was it. Never had a party. He didn't believe in parties or birthday parties or anything like that, so I never had any of that. Um, until two weeks after I graduated from college and I got married. All right, and so I, then, then life started then, huh? Life kind of started there. And so, it was something that you sort of did. I was the first one to graduate from college in my immediate family, and I was a teacher, and I got my job right away. So at 21, I'm a teacher. I'm married, and as a good Catholic couple as we were, um, started to have our family. So um, we had four children. By the time I'm 31, we already had the four children. And that's when I started not only teaching all day at high school, but then I would teach nights, two nights a week at college. And um, my entire life from that point on, for the next 19 years or so, was you know helping to raise the children, um, trying to be a good father. I was much more involved with all of my children than my father ever was. You know, my two oldest ones were very much into sports, and I was there for them. My youngest ones were into the arts and into the ROTC and the, and the regiment and whatever. And um, being the high school teacher, my former wife was a musician, but she was also an elementary school teacher where she taught music. So when they were younger and in the elementary school, she was in the school with them. And then once they graduated from eighth grade there, they went into high school where I taught. And so then I kind of took over in terms of activities and everything with them at that point, more than what I did when they were younger, because I had a little bit more time with them. Um, but you know, that was, you know, for 19, 20 years before my oldest one went away to college. Um, then it was a matter of, you know, surviving and putting our children through college, which we did. All four of them are all professionals. They're all in the medical field. Um, they're all doing extremely well. 
they're all married um, to wonderful spouses. Um, I have six grandchildren. Um, even though we divorced about 15 years ago, when I came out realizing yeah, who so I this was. Is, this is what we're, we're, we're getting to right now. So right now, everything is going right. You're raising your family. You've been through a strict parents that were very strict, taught you well. I, I see um, you, you were able to manage and stick through what is being a dedicated father. And now they're married or they're out of the house, they're old enough, and now dads, it's time for dad. That's what it ended up being. Yeah. Um, my oldest one was married. I already had my first grandson when I had my first encounter with a man. And um, Tell us about your first encounter with a man. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, we were on vacation in St. Martin. This was you and your wife. And my two brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws. There were six of us that started traveling once or twice a year because we had bought timeshares or we went on cruises. And so at least once a year, if not twice a year, because three of us were teachers, so we'd have those weeks of teachers being off that we would go either on a cruise or to one of the timeshares. So we were at our timeshare in St. Martin, and um, after spending the morning at the pool and having lunch, um, my wife and her two sisters went shopping, and my two brother-in-laws went upstairs to take a nap, and I sauntered over to a nude beach, which was right next to the condo that we were in. And on the way to the nude beach, I found a little alcove, just big enough for like a person or two, so there was nobody there, so I went and lay on the beach. And shortly I heard this splashing sound, and it was this island boy that was swimming in front of me. And I thought nothing more of it, other than the fact that I did lay back, and I was kind of stroking myself, because it was just a beautiful day. <laughs> and I was, He says it's so natural, he's just there. Okay, so you're... Stroking yourself. Okay, so wait a second. You're in the, nobody else was there but no, the boy. Right. And he was just swimming in front of me at the time. He wasn't on the beach. So he wasn't looking at you. He was. You no. were just. Well, you thought I didn't you. Think you he was looking at me, but I obviously felt something because eventually, all of a sudden, he was up on the beach where I was, okay. and this beach was only like maybe twenty feet square. So it was you alone, and the and and this this, this kid, island boy, came up on the island beach, boy. and he was on his towel, and I was on my towel. And of course, I was still sort of stroking myself, and I glanced over at him, and he was also stroking himself. And then when this I this was your first encounter, the first, first experience. Encounter a, a now, man. now before this, you had tendencies. Did you think about? Did you fantasize all your life? Did you know that you were probably bisexual, or you thought you were, or what? What was? What, what were you thinking? I don't think I ever felt anything or thought about anything because I was so involved in work and bringing up my kids and involved in their activities that but you didn't say I was so involved with my wife or in love with my wife so no no that's true that's the next thing I was going to tell you uh huh okay um I was a very devoted father well, you got the, the father thing down packed. You were a great father. You are a great father. Um, you still are. And, and, and I'm sure they, they remember all these great memories about you. We're talking now about you and not about you being a great father. We're talking about you. This has nothing to do with the kids. Now this is a, uh, this is a Chuck moment. You know, this is a Chuck history. So, Chuck, all your life, you never fantasized about boys in your life. Never. You mean to tell me that that boy, that island boy, was the first time you felt something? That was the first time that I had any sexual experience. But your thoughts, you had thoughts previous to that. Um, I would find myself 
liking the physiques of well-developed young men. Mm-hmm. When I was at the gym, not that I hit on anybody, but it was nice to see guys keeping in shape, and I would kind of... You fantasized. You, th- yeah, you thought about right. it. It's normal. Okay, so then now you come here to the Island Boy, and you're like, this is my chance? Sort of. <laughs> and I don't, I don't even know if it was my chance. Like, he, w- he came on to me, and I just, you know, I was on vacation. It was beautiful. My God was down. You know, um, I wasn't working because I had taken a year sabbatical. Um, and everything just sort of fell into place. I've got to step back for a minute and say that sexually, my wife and I were not very sexual. She would have liked to have a lot more sex than I did. I was almost in the situation of, we're confused. We're going to have a sex because we're married, we're Catholics, and that's what you did. That's what was expected. And, you know, every so often, every two or three weeks, she'd start getting antsy and then would get in a little discussion about it, you know, and then I'd have sex just to please her. But we never really, I never really felt of, like I was a very sexual person. Our last two years of our marriage before we divorced, we didn't have sex. Until I had that first encounter with that young man on the beach when it blew my mind to the point where you were like, made, this is what it's all about. It made me start realizing that I am a sexual person. I was aroused and it just blew my mind. But I didn't know what to do. When I came back from that vacation, all I oh, knew when was... you came back from, from that pool, wh- wh- what was your feeling? What were your feeling? You were like, you were like, what pressure, huh? It was. I just don't know actually what happened to me other than the fact that I got an erection, I was hard, he was sucking me, all of a sudden he sat down on me, and it was like, this never happened even with my wife. So I knew something was sexual here that I had never experienced, and it was wonderful. After about an hour, I said, I gotta get back to the condo. And he said, but you're still hot. And he says, well, let's enjoy it a little bit more. And I said, you don't understand what's going on with me right now. And I had to leave. And the next day we came home. From the never vacation. saw that boy again. I never saw him again. I came home and all I knew is that it was enjoyable and I wanted to try it again. So I started going online. All I knew to do is put in gay porn. And that's when all this stuff, of course, started flashing up on the screen. I never knew that there were sites that you could go on just to meet men. I just was watching the gay porn for a while. You know, what years was this? This is like the... This was 2004. Okay, so that was probably Adam Adam and AOL.com. When I first realized sites, I went on a site called Squirt. I went on Squirt and I... I set up a little profile. At first, I did not put a picture on, but I was very truthful about everything in my profile, including my age, which at the time was 52. And I would talk with a few guys, and then one guy finally told me, they said, you sound like a very wonderful person that I would like to get to know, but I'll tell you, if you're on this site and you put your age as 52, there are many guys who are just not gonna even look at you because you're too old. 
He says, put a few pictures on because from your profile, you say you're six feet and you're 180 and you know, and you go to the gym three or four times a week. And so we expect that you are, you know, in good physical shape. And so I did, I put some pictures on. So no. you put them, not your face, no? Not my face, but I put nude pictures. Put it this way. I had a couple of profile pictures of just my, my face and body pictures, no nudes, but shirtless. And um, I started getting some responses because first of all, they didn't believe that those were my pictures because of the profile that I had stated. I even had guys who actually said, well, we see your head and we see your chest, but how do we know that that's the same person? So then I would put on a full length picture just to let them know that is me. So I finally, you know, got a few people to chit chat back and forth. And this was always done late in the evening after I came home from my college class because my wife was already in bed. So that's when I'd be on the computer. And so I decided to meet a few of the guys. Um, I never knew that bathhouses existed. I saw them in the old movies, but I never realized they still existed. And then after chit-chatting with one of the guys online, we found out that there was one in Providence, which was like about 30 minutes from where I lived. And he was also interested because he had never been. So we planned on meeting in the parking lot and we went in and took advantage of the pathhouse for the evening. That was my haven. Because where I was not allowed to go out as a kid, I never went to clubs. I never met people in clubs. I drink very little just to socialize. I never smoked. I never hung around with other friends my age. So, and then I was already married. So when I found out how comfortable it was to be in a bathhouse, I felt safe. We could walk around. If I caught somebody's eye or they caught my eye, we'd go into the lounge and chit chat. And then if we wanted to get sexual, we had a room to be private. I'm, I'm a kind of a private person that way. Um, and that's where I would go once a week, never thinking that anybody would ever find out about it because I was, we would know, we did an awful lot in our church. My wife was a church musician. I was the cantor. I ran the bingos for the school. And so everybody thought we were the all American family, been married 32 years, had four children, all well-educated, you know, um, so nobody would ever believe this of me. So I never thought I would ever be found out. You never thought. So this means you got found out? Yes. Um, oh, my goodness. Oh my. So for, for, before we get to the, that kicker, um, how did you, did you feel guilty at times when you were doing this double life? Did you feel that I already paid my dues? Did you feel, what was it that you were feeling? What was no, your, your... I think it was just that it was very enjoyable for myself. And as you had mentioned before, it was now the time for me you know, and I had always for 29 years of my life dealt with my family, my wife and the four children, you know, dad came sixth on the totem pole. So to satisfy my feelings of anything that I wanted to do or what I, you know, was thinking about never really came to the surface. Mm -hmm. So this was just satisfaction for me and gratification for me and very enjoyable for me, especially where there was no sex in my married life, especially at this point. Um, and so that's where I would go once a week and never thought I'd be found out. 
Yeah, and I've even talked to guys there and that say, you know, they will find out. And I would argue with them. No, they never found out because if you knew my life and my background, that would be the furthest nobody, from Nobody mind. you knew will probably be there. No. Okay, so what was the first uh, sign that they found out? What, 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 how did it hit you? My youngest son overheard me talking on the phone. And of course, you only heard my half of the conversation. Boy, Chuck, you got a little bit too comfortable, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't know he was home. <laughs> now, at this point, my this is my youngest son, and he's already 19. And um, I didn't know he was home. And um, he heard me talking, but he only heard my side of the conversation. But he gathered from it that I was meeting a guy and that it was going to be at this certain time at this hotel. And so he kept it in because he didn't believe even after hearing me talk. So the night that I was going to meet this guy, he borrowed his his boss's car so that I wouldn't notice it. And he followed me to the hotel because he didn't know the name of the hotel. He just knew I was meeting somebody at seven o'clock at a hotel. So he followed me there. And of course I get to the hotel before the guy and got things sort of set up and there's a knock on the door, and I opened the door, and it was my son. Wow. Okay, well, there's a lot for me to take in at this moment. Your face must have dropped to the floor. What, it what? did. All my son said he knew the name of the guy. It was Frank. He says, no, I'm not Frank. And I said, come in. I just want to, and he wouldn't even come in the doorway. He says, I'm not coming into the room. And then he said, I wouldn't believe this until I saw it myself. I said, he said, I did not tell his older brother because he wanted to make sure that what he had heard was what was going on. So he gave me the ultimatum. He said, you give, I'll give you one week to come clean to, your mom, to mom and let her know what's going on. And if you don't, then I will break it to her. So, What were course, your thoughts? What were your thoughts? My right? thoughts were everywhere. First of all, as soon as he left and the guy finally showed up, I just explained to the guy what had just happened and there was no way anything was going to happen tonight. <laughs> and I got in the car and I went straight home and I told my wife. But I was still in denial myself that I was a gay man. I thought I was just enjoying sex and it happened to be with men. But I, I had not convinced myself or was truthful to myself to say, I'm gay. So when I presented it to her, I said, this was just a fantasy that I was fulfilling. I wanted to try it. You know, I understand, you know, how hurtful this is to you. I said, but I want you to realize that it was just a fantasy. I've had it. I've under, you know, I've done it and I'm okay with what I did, but I'm done. And so she believed me and, um, for three months we did much more together. In fact, she joined the gym with me so that... Wait a second. Wait, rewind. But what, 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 wait. What, what did she say at that moment? What was she saying? What was her feelings? What, what was her reaction? What was her face? Personally, I think she wanted to, of course, believe me. So therefore, even though it was surprising to her, she kind of understood. I think I, I made an elaborate explanation of just that I was feeling these things, you know, and that... I had talked to people online and she knew that already because my youngest son had 
gone on my computer and had seen some of the emails. So this is before he met up with you. Yes. And, yes. and he warned her a little bit. Right. He didn't want her, but he had picked these up. But he didn't show it to the family like he told me because he wanted to see it for himself before he approached my wife and the, the rest of the family. So, you know, she was going to be given these by my son. So I explained to her, you know, what he had and then what I had been doing for about four months, three or four months. And, um, but that it was something in my system and it's out of my system now and I just made it a big story like that, that I think was sounded truthful enough to her, especially where it was so out in the blue for her to think that of me, that um, she kind of accepted it. But we, you know, she did say, well, you realize that, you know, this can never happen again. And I'm agreeing with her. And that's why, you know, because I used to use for an excuse when I went to the bathhouses, I'd use for an excuse I was going to the gym. Because I did go to the gym four or five times a week, but I just wasn't going, you know, for these three months. And um, so I had her join the gym with me and we only went to the gym together. You know, we'd go out to dinner together. We'd do a lot of more things together. Right after that incident. Right, trying to prove to her that, you know, she's the one for me and that's What all were you feeling though? What was your I true was feelings? I was going completely berserk to the point where I started slipping again and meeting guys and had to realize, okay, this is who I am. This is not a fantasy of mine. My sexual preference is with a man. And so uh, this was about three months after I had told her I wouldn't be doing it anymore. One Sunday afternoon, I told her I was going to the gym. And that was a Saturday. And, of course, I went to the bathhouse, which was in Providence, which was 30 minutes away. Um, and the next morning, we got in her car, and she looked at me and she said, that's funny, Chuck. She says, you went to the gym yesterday, which is five miles down the road. My odometer has 45 miles on it since last night. And she just looked at me and she says, I know what you're doing again. And at that point, I looked at her and I said, and I came clean. And at that point, I packed up a bag and left the house. I was gone for a couple of days and we chit-chatted on the phone and she invited me back. And um, I explained everything to her and how I really felt. And when I did go back and talk with her, she had my oldest son there. And at this point, you know, she gave me the ultimatum. She says, you're the only man I would ever love and the only man I ever want to be with. If you can vow to me that you will not see men anymore, I'll gladly stay married with you. And I looked at her and now knowing how I felt sexually, I could not vow that. And I know I would never adhere to that. So I said, I really can't do that. And so she looked at my oldest son and she looked at me and she says, well, then we'll have to get divorced. I'm gonna divorce you. At that point is when we went and visit because my other three, well, my youngest one was going to college in the area, so he was home. The oldest one was already married, he was there. We went and visit my two daughters who were in college because um, I didn't want to do this over the phone with them, so we explained it to them. 
Um, and of course, it was devastating because nobody out of, in, you know, it hit everybody, including myself, out of the clear blue, that after a 32-year marriage, we were now getting divorced. Um, and so it was a rough first year going through the divorce because my former wife had a slight breakdown over it because it was such a shock. And so the children from day one said it had nothing to do with me being gay. They were very happy that I was strong enough to finally admit to myself and to them who I was sexually. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with that, but they were upset because of the health of their mom at that point, which I could agree and understand. My youngest daughter stood by me. The other three were kind of cold for almost the first year. Um, I was not invited to family functions. Um, had a little conversation with them. My youngest daughter, every time she'd come home from college, she would come visit me because I stayed within the house and my wife left the house. Um, only after she found out by her, her attorney that she would not lose her half of the house by her moving out on me. Um, anyway, um, so that first year was very tough. After that first year, spending some time with them and then getting to know that their father had not changed and listening to their youngest sister, that he was still the same man, he was still the loving father, he had not changed whatsoever, he still cared for all of us as much and he still cared for his, their mom despite the fact that we no longer want to live together. And my youngest daughter, when she got married, now this is two years after we separated, because we separated in 2005, she got married in 2007. Both my former wife and myself put the wedding together because she was going to college in Vermont, so we wanted her to get married at home. We did the, the church, the reception. You know, we walked her down the aisle together. We walked into the reception together. She just went to her table and I went to my table, you know. Um, and at the end of that wedding reception, all of my kids came up to me and they all hugged me and they all said, we finally feel like we're a total family again. And that, from that point on, we were actually closer than ever, all of us. And then of course the others got married I've had, like I said, six grandchildren since then. Um, Everything was going very well. I was still on great terms with my wife. We had great conversations on the phone, primarily talking about the kids, of course, and what's going on, you know, even though I retired and moved down to Florida here. Um, Great conversations. We had the the greatest of our conversations January 1st of this year. It was over two hours, and we just talked about she was kind of lonely because she couldn't have all the kids like she usually did for Christmas because of the COVID. So each one visited her separately with their families. But it wasn't the big party that she usually likes to have. She, was, she always enjoyed family. She loved family. So on January 1st, we talked about them coming by through the Christmas season and how they couldn't get together on January 1st, but that they had all seen each other, you know, and they were so excited, and she was feeling great. Her health was better than ever. That was January 1st. January 5th, she got up to go to the bathroom. Blood clot from her heart went to her lungs. She collapsed. She went to the hospital. While in the emergency room, she went into cardiac arrest three times. 
there was no activity to the brain and she passed away three hours after. That was a total shock to all of us. I went home for the funeral, spent several days before with the children, and of course, because of COVID, it had to be very minimal. But we spent the time putting collages together of family pictures and had some great stories when we looked at the pictures and had great memories that we talked about, we laughed about, we cried over, but it was a great healing for all of us. And all four children with all of their spouses and the grandchildren we just sat around and talked at the table. Um, we had a wake that was limited. We had a church service, which was beautiful. Um, and we got together a couple of days after that just to finalize things and whatever. And it was great for all of us and a great healing for all of us. Um, we've kept in touch much closer than we were before because my ex-wife was the one that gelled the family, you know, and she was closer to them, um, miles-wise, so she would see them on a weekly basis for the most part, um, took care of all the grandchildren. She lived to be the, the grandmother, and she lived to take care of her grandchildren so that her children could have some time for themselves. She was always there at all their baseball games and their dance recitals and everything. Um, a lot of which I missed, unfortunately, because I'm, you know, down here in Florida. But she was very close to all of them. So this was out of the clue, out of the blue for them. And it, it was a shock to all of us. And we're still thinking about it every day, you know, and sure. I talked to them a lot about it. Unfortunately, last month, my mom passed away. Did they find out about the whole thing, or what was that like? What, about? About the whole separation, what was... Oh, yeah. yeah they, they knew from day one the reason and the separation. They were the first ones we told. Okay. And the reason for it, you know, it hurt them, especially my oldest daughter, because she was dating a young man at the time. She was in medical school. And they were thinking of getting married. And the one thing she told me is that she thought me and my wife had the best and the most stable marriage she had ever seen. And then look at what happened. You know, so I had to try to explain to her that it was my sexual orientation that I became aware of. And it took her a while to remember that. And even my wife actually spoke to her and said, it's very hard for me to understand dad with another man, but I also think I would feel worse if he had left me for another woman. She says, that way I'm not feeling like I'm the one that wasn't pretty enough for her, him or you know, sexual enough for him. It's that he just did not particularly care for women sexually. Mm -hmm. So she did mention that quite a few times. And in our last conversation on that January 1st, she ended by saying, you know, take care, make sure, you know, you stay healthy. She says, and I think we are much better friends now than we ever were as husband and wife. And those are the last words I ever heard from her. The important part, I think, is that our family is 
very, very close. When my mom passed away last month, of course, I had to fly back up to Massachusetts again. Um, and of course, we spent the time there. Every night, I, my partner came with me because my partner, he knows all of them. They've met him because we've been together for six years now. Um, and they all took him in just like another member of the family. Nice. He did not come to my former wife's funeral with me because he felt that was for me and the kids. But when my mom passed away last month, he came up with me. And um, every night we were at one of their houses for dinner. We just sat around and talked, remembered my mom as well as her, you know, their mom, and um, went through again the whole wake and, and funeral and whatever. Um, but it was another bonding. bonding. So in the last three months, our family has, I think, bonded more than we've had bonded in the last 15 years since the divorce. Um, unfortunately, it was, you know, because of the deaths of, of my mom and their mom. And you're able to confront your 20-year-old self. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? As a 20-year-old, being so naive about anything other than being brought up the way I was in a very strict Catholic home, always followed what was right, you know, or what everybody expected. That's the route I went. I had never had any experiences sexually with a man at that point. If I had, and I tell everybody to this day, and it probably would have happened, but who knows, I didn't go away to college, so I didn't have the, the life of living in a dorm and the dormitory lifestyle and whatever, where I've, I've met so many men who said that's when they realized their sexuality because they would come home after drinking and they'd go to the dorm and they'd start fooling around with their roommate and before you know it, they were having sex. If that had happened to me as a 20-year-old in college, I know with my conscience that... I would never have pursued women from that point on. It would have been a lot difficult because now you're talking about, you know, 40 years ago, 45 years ago, 50 years ago, um, to be able to come out then. But I would not have pursued meeting a girl, getting serious, getting married. But then I would never have had the wonderful family I have. And something tells me to regret it for one bit. I don't regret it at all. Um, I used to get so surprised when I would be with men sexually who were married and who had families and who weren't out to them and knew in college that they preferred men sexually. And yet they still went through the dating process, still got married. I'm saying, see, that's how strong we were developed back then to follow what was considered correct, the correct way to live, the correct things to do. Um, just going back, at, when, once this all hit, hit the fan, my wife and I went to a uh, psychologist, and psychiatrist, and we're having a meeting with him and he gave us a book to read that said, After the Affair. That was the first time when I saw the word affair that I associated me being with men as having an affair because I was so indoctrinated that affairs were because a man and a woman were married and the man had another sexual experience with another woman or the woman had another experience with another man. I never felt 
in those three months that I was going to the bathhouse or meeting men sexually, that it, it was an affair that I was having. Until he gave us that book, and then I read through that book, and realized it's the same thing as you know a man going after another woman other than his wife or vice versa, and I never thought of that that way. That's how indoctrinated we were to, you know, you got a chance to get a good education, you had a good professional job, you got married, you have a wonderful family, you know, everything's going well. Boy, how times have changed, huh? Yes, they have changed. And I feel very fortunate because I feel like I've had two lives. I would never give up the life I had with my former wife or the wonderful children I have or spending time with them and enjoying my family but at the same time, at this time in my life, now that I'm retired and I'm going to be 70 in a couple of months, that I can enjoy myself for me. Because they are well established, they're all doing well professionally. I don't really have to worry about them. If anything, when I get old and feeble, they might have to worry about taking care of me. But they're all set and I've got that to thank, be thankful for. My wife and all, I would always say we did a fantastic job in bringing up our families. You know, even after we had been divorced, you know, the one thing we did fantastically is bringing up our four children. And because of that, I now can enjoy my life with my partner. Chuck, thank you so much for sharing this amazing story. And uh, one more thing. Don't fall off the pod. <laughs> Hey, potheads, if you have not done so, you can download our very own app. It's available at all app stores. And there's no excuse for missing out on the pod because the pod is available wherever you can listen to a podcast. And here we go. At a count of three, everyone, let's sign off. One, two, three, say it with me. Don't fall off the pod. <laughs> it's kind of corny, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs>